Welcome to the Devil's Cardigan Podcast, brought to you by Little Rivers Brewery, Roll Cycles, Shimano Australia, Pock Sports, the Blue Derby Podride, Cyborg Science, and the Dorset Hotel Derby. In this episode, Danny and myself chat with the current bearer of the men's Devil's Cardigan, an honour earned by the first male and female riders across the finish line, a coveted prize by many, and with a sea of green and gold jerseys available at this year's race, we know this is the prize you're all hunting for, the Devil's Cardigan. Tasman Nankervis, our humble champion, joins us from the mainland, and we hope you enjoy this conversation. Well, welcome, Tasman. And first things first, mate... There's a lot of us uh, have a few dying questions from last year's cardigan. The uh, most important question being, what did you do with all your potatoes? Uh, I gave some to family. Particularly my brother ate most of them on me. But, yeah, they they sat sat in my cupboard and slowly ate them. The sack is hanging up in my garage. as a nice memento. Dell's cardigan potato sack. Very nice. Uh, But... By memory, it's actually a lot got distributed in the pub after the race. <laughs> There's actually a few in the um, in the coat coat pockets. Do you remember at the after party? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah I can I'd love to share game. that video one day. <laughs> yeah. Behind the bar, video going around, sneaking potatoes yeah. into well, people's pockets. There was, there was um, for some reason we were sitting right next to the, like, where everyone's hanging up their coats. We had a big sack of potatoes and then we started putting a potato in everyone's pocket and we'd watch them walk outside the pub, put their hands in the pockets because it's freezing and they'd pull out a potato. <laughs> they wouldn't know where it come from. Classic. Yeah. Very good. So, um, yeah, thanks thanks very much for coming on, Tasman. It's great to have you. It was great having you at the Cardigan last year. Um, it was, yeah, really enjoyed having you about and um, thanks for agreeing to do this podcast with us. Um, so no let's let's start with a bit of bit of detail about yourself and and how you got into cycling. Um, is this something you grew up doing? You'd been doing it since you were two, or you played soccer till you were three, and then took up <laughs> cycling. How did it all come about? Uh, Rick is relatively pretty early age. Um, bike ride was always motor transport. Um, and just a way to hang out with friends. Uh, I think I played every sport under the sun, but then I was, I was mountain biking kind of even under 13 category and, and road cycling, but just kind of like you just rock up on the Sunday, do the race, and then for the rest of the week, I just play footy or basketball. And that kind of went on for a while. But then my two older brothers were both riding bikes. Um, it's just become really natural for me to follow them. And the more racing they did, the more we got involved with the Benio Mountain Bike Club. Um, who are, I guess, one of the, one of the largest um, I guess, uh, clubs in Australia, I'd say, and uh, really supportive and just kept racing from there. And I think, yeah, around that 16, I guess 16 and older, I started doing more and more, doing more state rounds and then getting to the national stuff. But, yeah, primarily through my older brothers and the mountain bike club. Very good. I uh, yeah, always always looking through the results of um, local mountain bike races and and local marathons or not local national marathons, and um, yeah, you and your brother you you were always up there fighting it out. Um, yeah, you must have doing been it doing really, a long time. Must have been uh, great having that that sort of family rivalry to push you along and to to um, you know to have that that local that competition within the house must have really 
push you to to improve yeah yeah certainly uh yeah like russell my older next oldest brother he pretty much was wanting to do the same things that I, as i was so we would travel together and and obviously push each other off the bike or on the bike and definitely made life life uh, a lot easier in terms of progressing through the sport um but even then in, in bendio we had such a golden era of of cyclists um even in in my age group you know my, one of my best friends chris hamilton we'd go neck and yeah. neck at every club race we had jack Hag, which was russell's age and they'd go head to head wow. and then like there's the robbie huckers um jason Lowndes. like we've had kind of five or six uh cool riders we we're only a couple of years apart and you know there might have only been 10 juniors at the club when i first started but five of them were or six of them were jack chris hamilton Myself, Russell, and Jason Lowndes. So, yeah, pretty special period of time that, that we had and very fortunate. That could, have been a, that could have been a national round right there. Yeah. And I think we, that's yeah, when yeah. we probably, it, when we went to races, we were like, oh, I'm just racing my buddy still. <laughs> it's it's just remarkable. the same as a club race back home. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Very good. And how did you, um, how did you transition into to gravel racing? Was it um, did you did you start mountain biking and then move uh, to road racing and do some national races and then sort of follow the the gravel evolution as um, a lot of people are now? Yeah, I uh, it's hard to say really. I think at first I was probably a little bit. Uh, Resistant. I thought, oh yeah, Mount gravel's just like a fad. It, it won't kick off. But then, as I've all seen, it's just gotten gotten bigger and bigger. Um, and it's a natural progression. I think I've always done road road cycling, racing alongside mountain biking, and probably never hundred percent loved road cycling. I don't know. It's just for whatever reason. Like I, I enjoy doing it. I really enjoy the the racing, but I don't love every road race I do. But I think gravel's that in between thing where it's in between mountain biking and road cycling where you, you know, you get the adrenaline. It's a good atmosphere. Uh, there's still yeah. that skills versus endurance um, component, which is just so enjoyable and it's adventurous as well. You're riding new places, and and people are really stoked to be at gravel races. I think the atmosphere is, is so good. Um, yeah, it's the vibe, Tasman. It's the vibe, mate. That's it. Like the castle, like they say in the castle. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one. That's the one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, and uh, on the mainland, I see uh, a lot of gravel races popping up. Um, there, uh, a lot of people that you have ridden with over the years, grown up with uh, mountain bike and road, they're all starting to race gravel now as well. Yeah, yeah. I think you'd be you'd be mad, say, if you're just a, a road cyclist, just to keep it the one discipline because your calendar's not going to be busy at all in reality, particularly if you want to push your progression be a national-level rider. Um, you know, if you just did the National Road Series this year, you'd be maybe race, have 10 race days this year. Um, and it's, yeah. it's sprawled out the whole year. But if you fill in with gravel races, uh, you're going to get a good quality fields. You're going to learn new things, new skills. And it's great racing. And, and it's attractive for everyone to do. It's attractive for the everyday person. It's attractive for sponsors. And, yeah, you're, yeah it's it's there's nothing bad about um, the boom, gravel boom, I guess. It's all pretty positive. Yeah. 
And that's something that um, Pete and Gareth mentioned a lot, and that is the uh, the barrier for entry to gravel racing is um, is very low. Um, not only as far as uh, getting yourself a bike and getting it sorted, but also as far as the skill level required and and the risk. Um, when yep. you compare that to to mountain biking and you know the skill and the consequence of crashing on single track, if you um, you know getting into the sport late, and um, I, I would think uh, if you're getting into the sport late, um, road cycling would be quite intimidating. So. Um, yeah, I think it's it's quite an approachable sport yeah. in uh, in that regard. Um, do, do you find uh, a lot of the elite, the uh, high level road cyclists that you that you hang around with in Bendigo? Do you think they're really getting on board with the gravel? Do they find it a more more attractive proposition than than road racing? It it's growing. It'll never, I think. Um, people aren't giving up their road aspirations. They're just using it as a, yep. I guess, another way to do more racing and, and get better. Um, that's how I yep. see it, particularly in the local Bendio guys. Um, yeah, and, and then the more racing that comes, the more people who will, will uh, I guess, do multidisciplinary and, and do the two two disciplines. And it's most people are saying it's not as big a jump as what they thought. And for most people, it's, it's so refreshing to do something different. Yeah. You bang out the same roads every day, every day for training where you can double your route options by having a gravel bike and you get off the road from cars. And it's, yep. yeah, it's fantastic. Tasman, you are the current bearer of the cardigan, our male champion mm-hmm. from last year. Have you, uh, do you still look back fondly at that, that fine day in June when you took all oh. the glory over the mountains of Tasmania? <laughs> Yeah, I don't even say it was a fine day. It was pretty well. It's probably pretty good weather, <laughs> but uh, it was a funny day. I really loved it. Uh, you and uh, yeah, it was, it was, sorry, you, yeah. Alex Mack, and uh, and um, John O'Dams both uh, took off pretty pretty early from the front as the front runners. How did that that battle for the three yeah. of you sort of pay out over the uh, KOM sections? Because I believe that was uh, uh, integral oh, yes. to your uh, eventual lead. Yeah, so I actually just had a look at the Strava, my Strava ride, um, just before coming on here. Even, yeah, like the first, there's a, I guess the first ascent we had uh, last year. Uh, those two were pushing it so hard and I kind of backed off and I was I was behind them for, for probably the first 10K. I just thought, oh, it's a long race and they'll you know, ride quite aggressive and end up just getting dags. And I, I, I never like let it stress myself. I kind of said, oh, you know, it'll, it'll come back. Just keep riding pace. And sure enough, you know, it got back and um, and there was, you know, the three of us, um, Alex and, and Johnny. But, uh, yeah, it's funny. I was probably like it was outside the, almost the top 10 in that first 5, 10K. It was all getting strung out. But, uh, yes, and saving saving your bike as well, just making sure. And it was, it was, all, it was all new. It was yes, quite the rough. The, uh, the start we used last year, yep. and um, yeah, grade grade five gravel. I think they mentioned um, as far as there was a lot of big rocks, and if uh, it's probably four or five punches just on that first descent, yeah. it was um, yeah. yeah, pretty hard going. So I think I think a good call from yourself to um, to take it pretty steady early on. Yeah, that's it. I think there were some mountain bike guys also 
they were just bombing down as as they should, as as I would if I had a mountain bike in that in that segment. Um, but then, yeah, the race kept going. It was Lack and Johnny. And Lack really lit up that first first main climb. Yeah, um, and that was like, uh, yeah, like hard to hold the wheel. Um, That's actually a good point because the, all I know from that section is the photos of Alex out the front, just on the bars. I, yeah. I think he was smiling or, or gritting his teeth, one of two, but he looked like he was dropping some mm. bombs. And there was you, third wheel, and you definitely were, uh, yeah, focusing, that's for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah, everyone's, everyone's focusing deeply. Uh, but then also it's had in the mind that long race, long race. I've... Um, I raced long enough now that I, I know know how to pace myself better than uh, better than I would have ten years ago or something like that. Um, yes, I do a good ninety five k. So let Alex do the thing on the climb, um, and then I think we actually had a small Alex dropped John. I think over that tail just just briefly, and he got back in got back in on the the scent following, um, and then we dropped down. We kind of had a bit of a Tempo moment where neither, no one was going too hard, but then that was coming into the second uh, climb, which is like 450k in or something. And then I had the map on my garment, on my Wahoo, was looking at it, I was going, oh yeah, this is, this is, might be like, this is the only major climb left. So that's where I was like, all right, I got to jam it here. And I jammed as hard as I could and, and managed to drop them. And I had like the countdown on my Wahoo, you know, this far to go. And I was jamming it, jamming it, jamming it. And then on my map, it looked like it was like it was quite flat on the top of that range. When in reality, it was pretty much just slightly uphill yeah. for the next like 20, 30 kilometers after the, that climb. And it really, really windy, like block headwind, a headwind you'd want to be in a group with. Uh, so yeah, I got it. I guess I had the gap, and then I just tried to get as low as I could across that whole slightly uphill headwind plateau i guess he's on top of that mountain range no time to um, stop for a sausage then you just kept on kept on motoring no nah, no sausage i saw the the feed zone just blew blew past it uh and the whole time i was like i'll oh, just keep out of their sight at least um and that way they, they'll never know how far i am whether i'm just you know a minute up the road or whether i was five minutes i had no idea um then we did the big main descent down and then we had that last slippery climb uh up towards you know by 10k to go yeah and that's where like i could see, look back then i could see like we're in the farm road areas where there was space to figure out um what a gap what the gap was like and i knew i could kind of there's my race to kind of lose then and, and you know, bring it home so it was pretty much up until that point there when you got onto ruby flats road the final little little run to the finish line like the entire time you just been kind of riding scared or just just had that little that little, 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 little unnervousness, yeah, unnerving feeling driving you home. Yeah. I think if you, whenever you're leading a race here, you've got a little bit of fear. Uh, and that's what keeps you, keeps you uh, pushing as hard as you can. So when we say that's your low mo- moment, it was just the, the, the fear. Yeah. I think the, the only worrying, uh, the only worrying moment I had was on that false flat where I knew two against one was <laughs> very beneficial. And I'd kind of done myself in because I'd attack quite hard on that. I guess the, the second KOM. Um, but yeah, 
It's always a bit. Um, it's always a bit heavy that section too, isn't it, Tasman? It's just a bit, hmm. just a bit soggy. It's it, it doesn't yep. just sort of saps your energy. Plus, yep, it's a headwind. Plus, it's a false. Plan. And you're up above 800 meters in the middle of Tasmanian winter, so it's cold. Yep. So with that wind chill, oh, yeah. like yep. yeah, yeah, it's a bit going on. And that's that's why we like it. Yeah, I was in full leg warmers and everything. Yeah, I, that's why I liked about the race too. I was like, oh yeah, going to Tassie in, in June. This is it was actually my it was my birthday. I think the Friday before we left. The joke is like a birthday weekend. Um, yeah, and yes, that I knew it was going to be bad or possibly bad weather going in, so I was prepared for it and I didn't care when it was. Well, it wasn't that bad. It was a bit soggy on race day and because it's built to it built to the adventure. Yeah. Um, the fact that we're up in those big mountains and the weather was bad, and uh, yeah, it's just extreme and good, good racing, good adventuring. Really, was the uh, the weather and the conditions uh, better or worse than what you were expecting? Uh, probably what I was expecting. The first day we got there was really good weather. The day before the race, uh, it was better than yep. Melbourne weather. I was, I was shocked. Uh, well, I shouldn't be shocked. It's Melbourne, but it, yeah, it, it was just. Tazzy winter and it was fine. Just got to just wear the appropriate clothing. Did you wear more than what you usually wear back in Victoria during that time of year? Yeah, certainly. I think I even had a raincoat in my pocket um, just in case it got really bad, particularly because we're up so high in elevation. Uh, but I had leg warmers on, I think I had shoe covers on. Yeah. Those little things, they, they do help a lot. Uh, as soon as you get cold, you, 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 it's pretty bloody hard to warm up. And yeah. Just keeping on top of that that warmth. Well, you're pretty very complimentary of the race in your postseason wrap up last year that we read. What were the kind of things that were just that you took away from that weekend that you that you really enjoyed? It was it was like the race hundred percent was a great adventure, and that's what like that's what you love about about um, those long distance you know, marathon and, and ultra like the long gravel events is is a feeling of being in the middle of nowhere. It gives you a little bit of a thrill. Um, like that was one, and the landscape was was beautiful. Um, but I reckon that hands down the best thing was the the presentation atmosphere after the race. I like I've done races like your reef to reef, cape to cape, and they've got you know fantastic atmospheres after the race. And this this certainly matched that, and and it had such a good feel to it. Everyone in the town hall after the race at the uh, Devil's Lagers, uh, the sponsor beer getting passed around, and uh, yeah, I've never been to a presentation. I think where most of the riders were there. Yeah, yeah, it was just great. And then everyone going to the pub afterwards was a fantastic idea and a way to, I guess, celebrate everyone's day. And just talking to random people about the race was was really fun. Yeah, people stirring me up about my time versus their time, or uh, oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, I had it too easy, or like I wasn't out there for long enough, or something like that. And it was just great. I love that. Love <laughs> stories and bad banter. <laughs> oh, that's what I love about this. Is like, no matter how fast you do it in, like you've all gone out there in, in, the, in the conditions, got it done, big tick on the box, and you, you're, you've got a shared experience there, which uh, rather special. Oh yeah, that's it. And sometimes I think, oh my god, like, like the the, the slow ride have been out. They've had such a extreme day like they've had the biggest adventure of any of absolutely us. absolutely i just think of how cold Mad you were for and then you're going to be out there for another hour or maybe or touch longer depending on, on how how fast yeah. you track along what point did you think nah i'm never coming back to tassie or was there a point like that no nah, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think no 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 not not my time yet to do yes but yes i was staying in a nice little cottage my girlfriend was there as we were with no nah. 
That's what I went there for. Uh, birthday weekend. Complain never. Ride your bikes. Won some spuds. Yeah. Can't complain. Yeah. Tassie's pretty easy to get to as well. It's not too far from Lonnie. And... You were making that point when we were talking before about um, last year's gravel championship race up in Noosa and how dif- the, the difference between getting to Tassie and up there for some of your, your mates racing as well was significant, which is... Yeah, Noosa last year was, you know, you fly to Brisbane uh, or Noosa where the flights were ridiculously expensive. You don't get as probably much out of it, I'd say. You don't you know, get that adventure side of things or... Um, yeah, but each of their own. Some people like to other events. Everyone's got yeah, like the same one. That's it. And speaking of national champs, you're racing the national champs in what, next month? Whereabouts is that? Yes, uh, in Wagga Wagga. Uh, so we got a marathon, a long distance mountain bike national champs. Um, yeah, 29th of May. That's uh, the day, day before I fly out for the USA. To start your lifetime Grand Prix experience. Yep, that's correct. When did you first hear about this event, the series? Were you following it last year or since its inception or did this pop up rather last minute last year? Uh, I, was, I was following it last year for sure. Uh, I was just, I guess, just seeing what – I had such good media exposure even last year that I was already thinking, gee, that's a, that's a cool thing. Um, and following guys like Keegan Svensson and Payson, um, knowing that, geez, they're doing a, a great race block and – yeah, but it was such a cool idea. Twenty-five athletes then um, to go for this prize pool, and I think America's kind of similar to Australia, where they're struggling to have a good um, cycling development platform or anything like you know trying to 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 grow grow the sport. Um, yeah, National Road Series isn't really uh, isn't doing particularly well at the moment. We're, we're battling and. Or even on the, on the mountain bike side of things as well, but that 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 new idea that, that uh, the lifetime uh, event, event management put together to create this series, that big prize money, and to go with the flow of what's what's popular, which is the mountain bike and gravel scene, was such a good idea. And yeah, it, it's it's got a I think got a lot of interest, and yeah, certainly mine. And so, anyone that's listening that hasn't heard of this uh, se- uh, series, it's a collection of seven iconic off-road events. Uh, with a prize pool a purse of two hundred and fifty thousand dollars split between everyone, or yeah, equally between male and female events, and it's limited to thirty-five female and thirty-five male athletes, which are invited to participate. Which is pretty special, Tasman, that you're one of the five Australians. There's Lachlan Morton, Brendan Johnston, Elabor, Ryan Standish, and yourself. Like. Mate, yep. like, do you know how many other Australians applied for it, or like, or how many people in total? Was it over two hundred athletes? I think applied for it in total. Yeah, quite a quite a few. <laughs> Mate, that's pretty. That's incredible. Yeah, and oh yeah, if you told me I was going to get in, it probably I wouldn't have believed you. Um, yeah, well, that's the devil's card, isn't I put, it? Put, I was a, yeah, well, they don't know what to be. Devil's card. Yeah, yeah, you're welcome, mate. That's had, had to have me. Yeah. <laughs> how many potatoes did you slip the uh, event organised? <laughs> Oh, yeah, it's talked about Dutch creams to them. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I, I, I probably thought, oh, geez, I might have you know, a 20% chance of getting in. And, and like, I, I put a lot into the resume. And, um, yeah, I uh, got the email that I was in, I guess it was early December. And then I thought, oh, and when I applied for it, I'm like, oh, if I get in, I'll, I'll 
yeah, I'll think about doing it. Yeah. And as soon as you got that email, I'm like, yeah, I'm going. That's that's it. Um, that's my year next year. And there was that light bulb moment of, I need to get some cash. Like oh, yeah. the logistics yeah. just hit, and, hit, hit like a freight train. Yeah. I probably initially didn't think about it as much as it didn't, it didn't dawn on me as much. But then like a few months ago, I was like, holy heck, I just fund myself for five months here. Um, so that's, it's been an absolute mission getting organized. But uh, seeing a bit of a light at the tunnel. Got some of the big picture items organized. Um, but yeah, it's a, I think, uh, Aller and Trekkie and even some of the other Aussies that are going, not a, not a part of Lifetime Grand Prix, are all, all the same boat as me trying to trying to work out how to make it work over there. Um, be that hiring cars, ACOM. Yeah, so a bit of, bit, of, bit of chat with other riders heading over there, just trying to look after each other and help each other out best you can. Yeah, certainly we've all passed around. Uh, what insurance are you using or have you tried finding how to register a car or things like that? Um, yeah, trying to work out as much as possible because we're all in the same boat. Is there a particular race of the seven that you're really looking forward to? Is there one that just, just yeah, like that's uh, a bucket list ride for me? I think probably Leadville. Yeah. Uh, that's the one I've heard about, I guess, since the longest. Uh, that seems so, that's a classic to me, it's probably one of the first races I've ever heard about when I first started mountain biking. I think, yeah, to, to tame that would be would be unreal, and that's yeah, probably one I'm most looking forward to. But I'll keep an open mind. It's all new for me, so who who knows? I might might say the Tusher and the Crush is my favourite after we come back, or, or only one yeah, way to find I'm out. Sure. Maybe it's Unbound. Maybe maybe I like the riding three hundred kilometres. I don't know. I've never done it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just looking at um, just looking at Gareth's summary of, of the events that you're doing, and the the distances are ridiculous. Just looking at um, well, Leadville's 160 kilometres, and I know there's a significant amount of elevation there. Um, Unbound gravel, 200 miles, 321 kilometres. Um, mm. The Red Dirt Fest, uh, 177 kilometres. Big Sugar, mm. 160 k's up. Big big days on the bike. Like, um, yeah. how do you how do you train for that sort of thing? Are you out there doing, you know, like uh, eight or nine hour days just to sort of get familiar with that effort? Uh, I am, but I'm also kind of trying to build up. Up, you got to really build up to that kind of uh, that kind of days as well. Um, I kind of got myself to a good point now. Where I'm handling, uh, you know, a fair bit of load. Um, and now for this month of May, I'm, I'm reducing my work hours and kind of cracking into some, I guess, more high volume rides. Um, but it, it's a hard balancing act because they're still, um, you know, the shortest race is only 80 kilometers, so you still got to have you still got to have your punch and your, your speed. Um, so it's a hard balancing act. If you just went out and did long rides every day, you, you'd just get slow and tired. So you got to yeah, yeah. have every energy system fine-tuned but then be able to go the distance for six hours kind of thing. Man, the average race is going to get six hours long, so you've got to be able to to grind away. Um, so that, that long endurance needs to be needs to be dialed. Yeah. And that, that's something yeah. I've definitely gotten better at with age as well, just being able to handle that, those long-distance races. But... Yeah, it's going to be hard for it. I mean, it's going to be super hard. Do you feel like this is, do you feel like now that you are getting older, more mature, pursue a lot larger races or more endurance sort of events like this? I think I can see a few great uh, years coming on there, mate. Now that I'm 
Now that I'm 27. Yeah. Or turning 28 this year. Oh, it's all over, mate. Um, if you, like, last year I saw people racing Unbound. I thought, bugger that. That's so far. Like, I, 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 don't, I like racing that's probably the in-between marathon and, you know, that ultra endurance and, and short where it's, it's a great, you can still, you know, it's still about endurance, but you can also be really aggressive and have a little bit of tactics, you know, you, have, you can throw out a, a good, good attacks to win the race. Um, sometimes when they're too long, I think it kind of makes it like a war of nutrition and kind of can be a bit of a boring race in some ways. Um, I don't think it'll be like that. I, I 100% don't think it'll be like that in the USA when you've got, you know, ridiculously deep field, and everyone's everyone knows now that you've got to be good and they, you know, everyone's training now for these longer distances. Um, so there will be good racing, but initially definitely will, long distance didn't really appeal to me. Super long distance didn't appeal yeah. to me. But uh yes, yeah, I'm definitely gonna be ready for it as best as I can. Do you wanna hear about my truck and setup over there? Tell us about your truck and setup over there, Tasman. Oh yeah. I'd love so, to hear about it. My buddy Ryan Sanich has a big Toyota pickup truck and I, and he was going to get rid of it, but I convinced him to rent it to me. Um, he's going to hopefully drive across to Kansas for me. Uh, and then my girlfriend's going for the whole, whole trip as well. So we're going to have this truck. And then my girlfriend somehow talked this sweet Kansas man to who buys and sells trailers to sell us a trailer. We're going to, we're going to buy a box trailer off him um, and then sell it back to him at the end. He's happy to do so. Uh, and then, yeah, we're just going to load all the bikes up in the back of the trailer. The, the truck's already got a mattress in the back of it. And then, like, oh, I'm really looking forward to getting, like, an awning on the back of the trailer, you know, get all the camp gear, chairs, cooking, get, like, a bucket shower, like, one of those things, like a 12-volt thing. And then, like, we're on the road. That's going to be that's gonna be my setup because we've got to do a lot of driving. Like, these races, are, you know, the furthest race thing is, like, a 20-hour drive, um, like, the average Race is about ten hours apart. Wow! Uh, so I got, oh I got the time. Most races are like three to you know four weeks apart. So I got the time to travel. I was going to do it gradually so I don't get too fatigued. But yeah, that's going to be my setup, getting around, and I get some great fun. That's awesome, mate! Adventure of a lifetime, Tess. Yeah, that's it. And just like and, and staying at national parks and uh, yeah, seeing the the. Uh, nice country areas of the usa is something i'm definitely looking forward to so have you planned what um what ute sticker you're going to do and take to customize your american ute to be look like the best uh bendigo you know lappy ute <laughs> what, what, uh, what are you thinking here yeah, it's gonna be southern cross love yeah bull horns big mud flats right aerials uh she's my, oh yeah some sort of sticker on the back that's inappropriate yeah <laughs> nah <laughs> I'm actually, I'm going to, like, the box trailer. I was like, I, I, there's a sticker shop next to that I know of. I'm going to get some stickers made up, so I have my sponsors on the on the nice. box trailer and have have the uh, most pro setup I can possible, uh, which, will be, which will be very interesting. I know everyone's got their big camper vans and some people even have like, third wheels of trucks and I'm going to have my uh, big outfit and box trailer. Yeah, I love it, mate. It's going to be sweet. I love it. Can't wait to see it. Yeah. <laughs> Classic. That's for sure. So what's the um, what's the best way to follow along with your adventure, Tasman? Uh, I guess social media. Um, you got the classic Instagram. Um, but I also will be doing blogs on my, on my website as well. I send them out to my sponsors and I'll be uh, sure to do it after each race. Um, 
yeah, so there'll be a bit of riding coming coming up after each event. And then, yeah, just trying to document my trip around Australia, around uh, the US as well. Even trying to document how to do it. I think that's the most confusing part for other races want to do it. Film um, it all, mate. Film it all and yeah. chuck it on a YouTube channel. Yeah. Basically, and that's that's also what I was kind of kind of contemplating is whether do it. Yeah, we make a YouTube channel. I'll watch it. You'll watch it, Gary. I'll give you a couple of likes. Oh, that's well, fine. Throw a couple of comments in there. <laughs> like, share, subscribe. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, we're gutted that we we can't have you back at the cardigan this year defending your title. Um, ugh, like I, I still, still, it's going to take me a little bit longer to to forgive you, but but mm. I. Um, going, yourself too. Going to, it's going to be fantastic watching you over there in the states having a red hot crack at it as well. So all the best, and have a have yeah, have such an adventure over there, mate. It's going to be awesome. Nah, thank you. I really, uh, really appreciate it. And yeah, all the all the best with Devil's Car again. It was my uh, my highlight of last year, I think, for racing. And yeah, I, uh, whoever wins it will be uh, will be worthy, and I'll be jealous of them wearing my cardigan. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, um, I won't, I won't pester you too much with photos and videos again of, of yeah. people wearing your card again. Definitely don't, definitely don't let them pour a beer behind the bar. <laughs> I remember that now, actually. That yeah, is so funny. It was quite good. Because I wasn't any good at it. Last year's champion is off to America and off to the ute of his dreams by the sounds of it. Thanks, Tasman, for joining us, and we wish him all the best in the USA. Go and give Tasman a follow on his Instagram account and follow his adventure in America. The Lifetime Grand Prix is a big deal, but I think I'm just as excited to see how the old Toyota goes too. Now, it's less than eight weeks till race day. Keep training, put in the work now so you can enjoy that big day in June, and we'll catch you next time.